Hello and welcome to this journalism.co.uk podcast. I'm Catalina Albanu and in this episode we'll take a look at the process of putting together a graphic novel for non-fiction storytelling, exploring the advantages of the format and the difficult aspect of funding and publishing one in the mainstream media. Art has played an important part in storytelling throughout history and illustrations have become a helpful visual aid in reporting in cases when it's difficult to obtain images from the scene or when these images would be too graphic and distressing to show. But in some cases, stories have been told entirely in the style of a graphic novel. Graphic journalist Dan Archer used the format to collate testimonies of eyewitnesses to the shooting of unarmed black teenager Michael Brown in Ferguson. Former BBC journalist Hasid Shah is working on a graphic journalism app called Ketla, to keep communities in India where literacy rates are low informed about the news. Positive Negatives, founded by Ben Dix, produces comics about contemporary social and human rights issues. In this podcast, we'll hear from photojournalist Mark Ellison, who has created two interactive graphic novels. These consist of a mix of comic book-style illustrations and captions with images and videos from the scene. His latest story called Safe House deals with the issues of child marriage and female genital mutilation in Tanzania. He explains how his journey with graphic novel journalism started. Safe House is actually my my second online graphic novel, uh, the first being Graphic Memories, which came out um, last year with the Toronto Star and Al Jazeera. Graphic Memories was basically about the reintegration challenges facing female former child soldiers in Uganda. Basically, I, I, I've always been a, a fan of graphic novels and particularly non-fiction work by people like um, Joe Sachko. And I've always found the medium uh, very powerful. I mean, obviously, we're, we're a very visual species that, you know, I think that we, we will respond better more to pictures than maybe we, we do to a block of text. So the, the project I did last year, Graphic Memories, was um, just a sort of first foray into that medium, a first experiment in, you know, using the graphic novel to tell non-fiction stories but I wanted to do a sort of 2.0 version which um, you know 2.0 version meaning that it's it's online it's interactive uh, it's animated the the response to that was was actually incredible in telling the four stories of these uh, former child soldiers the response was credible and it's actually just the project's just been nominated actually for a world press photo multimedia award so on the back of that I wanted to to experiment further with the, with with the format and um, I've long been interested in doing something about the issue of child marriage um, and FGM. So basically, I apply for a grant that's co-funded actually by the uh, Aga Khan Foundation and the Canadian government to to look into the issue of child marriage in Tanzania. Um, and I thought that the the graphic novel format would be particularly useful in 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 telling these girls' stories because. The fact that um, it can lend anonymity to to the storytelling, because obviously some of the girls that I ended up talking to were were quite young, quite vulnerable. So, for example, in the chap in, in the second chapter of the Safe House graphic novel, we're sort of telling the story of this one twelve year old girl called Dorica. It's quite traumatic, you know. She she's having to run away from home. Um, she doesn't she doesn't want to undergo FGM, but her her mother's basically going to force her to be cut. So it's about her story of running away and coming to the safe house and then about how she's scared about going back home. Um, obviously, you know, it would be, there's some sort of uh, ethical issues there about, you know, do, do we do we use her real name? Do we show her face? But again, with 
with the with the graphic novel we can basically anonymize her appearance through illustrations so so that was one great thing about the the, the graphic novel with this safe house project um and and again um you know just just the use of the illustrations like with the graphic memories project it's a mixture of illustrations photo and video and i think it's a really powerful, potent mixture of uh, different media. This graphic novel 2.0 format, as Ellison calls it, includes a multimedia mix. But how can you make sure you hit the right balance between illustrations and multimedia elements to avoid overloading the story and distracting your readers? With the first graphic novel I did, I had a lot more videos embedded within that. And looking at the analytics after it was published, I noticed that you know they didn't get you know, a huge number of hits. And I think that's a good and a bad thing. I mean, it, it's bad in the sense that, you know, there's a lot of great material in the videos that people are missing out on. But it's also good, I think, because obviously people were really engaged in the story and in the narrative, and maybe they didn't want to click on the videos. So with the Safe House graphic novel, I decided to not put in as many. And like with the first graphic novel, I didn't want to force readers to watch them um, because I, you know, I don't want to interrupt that flow, you know, of, of the storytelling. So I really, this time around, I, I, I tried to cut down certainly on the number of the videos and really to only use the ones that I thought were particularly powerful. There's one of uh, in the first chapter of Mama Mary where she's talking basically about um, how she was forced uh, to marry at a very young age and she describes basically her her wedding night and how she was um, raped by her husband who was much older there's a second very powerful video where because i want to get the other the other side of the story so, so i interviewed actually the the mother of one of the girls in the second chapter and it's a very powerful video of where she's in her mind she's justifying the practice of fgm and child marriage so you know which which to, to me, it, it was something that I've never, unlike anything I've ever seen before. I mean, it's and it's arguably I found more more chilling than hearing the girls talk talking about running away from FGM and child marriage. And uh, one one of the videos at the end as well, there was this young girl called Susanna who she'd run away to the safe house, but she couldn't she couldn't return home immediately because her father and her mother were going to still forced to be cut if she was going to go home. So she's been now at the safe house for a year and she hasn't seen her parents in that time. So I gave her the option to um, basically create a video message to send back to her parents, just to let her know how, you know, just let them know how she's doing. And it was a really powerful um, exercise and because it, it, it's quite tragic because Susanna and, you know, she feels quite guilty uh, having run away, even though her parents were going to force her to undergo FGM and to get married. So it's this sort of uh, minute, two minute long video where she's talking to camera, sort of asking, she's actually asking her parents for forgiveness, saying to her mother, you know, how she doesn't have to be forced to be married because she's now learned a skill at the safe house. She can build her mama house because her mother is now estranged from the husband. And and in the graphic novel, you know, you, you see uh, actually a photograph of the mother watching this video. And it's, it's quite powerful, I think, because the mother sort of breaks down crying because she hasn't seen her daughter in so long. And, you know, you have the video icon embedded on that photo so that you can actually... So you see the photo and then you can actually click on the video to see the video message from mother to daughter. And I think, again, it's a really sort of powerful mixture of um, illustrations, photo and video. So ultimately it comes down to, you know, I was a lot, a lot more selective in terms of video for this project just because with the pre previous project, I noticed that, you know, arguably for good and bad reasons, you know, pe people weren't watching them all. Using illustrations to tell a story also helps journalists reconstruct events from the past or as Ellison puts it, to plug gaps into time. Mixing real images and videos into the graphic novel helps serve as a reminder that the events recounted in the story are real, 
that this is a real person's tragedy, something readers could potentially start forgetting after going through several pages of a graphic novel. So what is the process of working with this type of storytelling? While not very different from a regular foreign reporting trip, doing these projects is a slow-cooked form of journalism. Once you've got your basic idea, as with regular reporting, there's a lot of research involved. Ellison typically reaches out to NGOs or community organizations on the ground in the hope that they would want to collaborate with him and facilitate his access. He has extensive conversations with his illustrator, Daniel Lafrance, storyboarding ideas and finding out what types of reference photos are needed from the trip to help Lafrance, who hasn't accompanied Ellison on a reporting trip yet. You know, he, he has a full-time job, he has a family, so as much as I think he would have liked to have come out, um, at, at that point in time it was difficult for him to do. Um, he has since said, I think, half seriously that, you know, next time maybe, yeah, he would like to come out. Um, so, I mean, I, I think technically, you know, it, on the one hand, it, it could make things easier, but then I, I guess there's the risk of, of us getting it in each other's way. Um, you know, when I'm trying to do interviews, maybe having, you know, a, another Mzungu or foreigner there, you know, might, might be off-putting, particularly if, if the people are talking about something that's quite sensitive. But in a perfect world, and if obviously there was the budget for it, it would be, I think, better to have the artist come out um, so that they can really sort of immerse themselves and, uh, you know, and see firsthand what the, uh, the setting is like. The more difficult part comes after the reporting trip when Ellison writes the script, storyboards the graphic novel with the artist and ensures he has the right online platform to upload the story to. For his first project, Ellison, who has a background in computer programming, custom coded the website himself. But for Safehouse, he used an open source framework developed by Al Jazeera called Pulp, which is fully responsive, so works on any screen size. So, so you know, it, it, it's a long drawn out process. So for the Safe House project, I went to Tanzania for about six weeks starting in December, got back mid-January, and then uh, we finished literally just last week. So it's, you know, so you're looking at about four or five months of work there. And I mean, and on that note, I should say as well, it's it's often also difficult to pitch the idea of graphic novels to editors as well, because they when you say to them, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going to do this um, interactive graphic novel about child marriage, I think a lot of editors don't quite know what that's going to look like um, or if it's going to even work. So so that's often quite a challenge, too. Um, but now that I've, I've got two under my belt, you know, you've got um, body, uh, you know, a good body of work that you can point to and say, you know, this is this is basically what I'm what I'm driving at. This is what I want to achieve. Aside from being an interactive graphic novel, Safe House can also be downloaded as a PDF and is available both in English and in Swahili. There was always a name to do this in Swahili as well, the local language, because I wanted ultimately the, the girls and the staff at the Safe House to see the end product and to be able to understand it. Because often I know that there's been, you know, Often people, when you're wanting to interview them, they, they complain about the fact that they'll never see you again or that they'll never see the end product. So uh, this time around, I wanted to do it in Swahili to, to combat that. And, and also I was hoping that, uh, you know, the Safe House can, can use the, uh, the comic with their educational outreach when they're going out to these rural communities. So on the graphic novel, there's, um, there's actually also a button where you can download a PDF the graphic novel in English and Swahili. So that was something that I talked about with them about having a sort of downloadable format that they can print and and take out with them to these uh, very rural areas of Tanzania. Getting editors to publish a graphic novel is a complicated process. 
but so is applying for funding to finance your reporting trip in the first place. Both of Ellison's graphic novels were funded through grants, with the first one, and arguably the more difficult to justify, funded by the European Journalism Centre. Ellison says writing grant applications is a science, especially when you need to explain the format to such an extent. So, you know, thankfully that project ended up getting funded through the European Journalism Centre. And so, you know, I, I'm eternally grateful for the fact that they, I think, got what it was I was trying to do. And when I've applied for other grants since, you know, sometimes I still think people don't even fully understand what a graphic novel is. So, you know, I've, I've had some people ask me, oh, you know, does that mean that it's it's graphic in nature? You know, that you're sort of uh, showing a lot of violence or, or, you know, things like that, or that it's fictionalized. So there, there's even just some miscomprehension about, you know, what, what a graphic novel is. But again, as I said, I, I think now that, you know, having done a couple of these projects, it's 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 hopefully making it a little bit easier. And, uh, and I can also point to the fact that, you know, there, there does seem to be an appetite for it and an appreciation for the format as well. So if you're interested in exploring this format further and presenting your next story as a graphic novel, here's some basic advice before you get started. You, you really need to pick a topic that you're really passionate about and that you aren't going to burn out over because, as, as I said, you know, with, with these projects, they, they've often taken me five or six months to do. So, you know, it's got to be something that you're really engaged with because otherwise you run the risk of, of just losing interest, to be honest. In my case as well, I mean, the, the reason that it took sort of five, six months is because, you know, I'm, I'm doing it around a uh, full-time job. So, again, it's it's all about having that, that passion for the project because, you know, basically I was working on this in my evenings and weekends. So, you know, just to have that drive, you want to make sure that, you know, it, it's a project that you or a subject that you're really engaged with. And, you know, I mean, ultimately in, in in journalism, I think, you know, none of us uh, are in the discipline for the money. You know, it's it's because, you know, we're, we're passionate about storytelling, passionate about certain issues. You've been listening to a journalism.co.uk podcast. Go to our website for more insights into the use of graphic novels and illustrations in journalism, as well as advice for putting together a great application for a journalism grant. Music